0: Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from PhysioRoom, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're gonna explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management, to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining in to this episode of The Code. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from PhysioRoom, your one-stop shop for rehab, performance, and recovery. I'm excited on this episode to get into a topic that's near and dear to me. I haven't done it in a while due to personal injuries, but I love running. Um, Becky Lindbauer is our guest today on the show, and we're going to talk about her journey with running, ultramarathons, and all things about that. So, Becky Lynn, thanks so much for being here and joining me on this episode.
1: (laughs) Of course. it's great to be here
0: um so you know what i would love you to do for the listeners and and for me um you know i know who you are i know a bit about you but i don't think i know a very extensive background about you i'd love for you to share a little bit of a, like your background where did you come from and how did you get into you know this love for running and ultimately doing the types of races that that you do now
1: cool well i'd love to share that so getting into running um i definitely got got into it. Uh, junior high, um, and then high school, I did a little bit of dabbling in cross country, but mm-hmm. really the want for needing a car versus having <laughs> athletics kind of won. So, um, I needed a car, wanted a car, um, that wins, but I always ran like recreationally. Mm-hmm. I just love to run, uh, it was just something that I did. It was inexpensive you can go out run out the door yeah yeah, so get it done um and then uh when i moved to golden um Mm -hmm. i could run around north table mountain um i'd run over by the coors um, oh sure yeah over there. And uh I'm sure I probably put in a marathon before I actually ran one on paper. Yeah. Um
0: I think a lot of people end up doing that. Um, and you're totally right. Running has a very low barrier to entry, right? Right. Um, you need to just, you know, know how to run yeah. and or not know how to run. Um, for the most part, you just need a pair of shoes or something to protect your feet. You could run barefoot. A lot of people do that too. But um, but yeah, it's an easy sport to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of the most popular ones there is, especially out here in Colorado. Uh, Are you from here? Where are you from?
1: Yes, from Colorado, originally from the Wheat Ridge area. Okay, so like north of Denver.
0: You're one of Um, the few natives. Yes, Um, yes,
1: I am a native. (laughs) You know,
0: places, places that I have lived, I've lived in a lot of different places. A lot of people call themselves locals, but not here in Colorado. They're natives.
1: They're natives, not a local
0: to Colorado. You're a native. Yes. Of Colorado. But there's so many people like myself here that are not from here. Um, so yeah, it's nice when you get to meet someone that is, cause you know, a lot more about what's going on than, uh, than I do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, coming from growing up in Colorado, I've always had trails out the back door and I guess I never really accessed them before because I didn't really know about them. I just ran on the road. Um, and then. When I found, um, the marathon bug, my mm-hmm. friend asked me if I wanted to run the inaugural Kauai marathon in 2009. And I'm like, uh, yeah, please sign me up. <laughs> so my first marathon was the Kauai marathon in 2009, which was the inaugural. And I'd never been to Hawaii. Um, had really no idea what I was doing. Maybe somewhat. Yeah. I didn't know what I was in for. <laughs> that was and a road race. Yes, it okay. was road marathon. Hills heat and humidity, Mm -hmm. but, um, I came in second overall female. So that was, yeah, I kind of got bit by the bug then and I'm like, I can do better. And so I went back the next year in 2010 and I won the Koi marathon for the females. That's awesome. That was awesome. That was really cool.
0: Isn't it interesting how, like, whatever the activity is, if you're good at something, it usually for most people makes you want to keep doing it yes. at least at least that's how it's been for me and it, it's funny here that i have the exact um same experience but the other way if i do something like let's take golf for example the first one or two times i ever played golf in my life i really sucked at it so then i pretty much have not really put any time investment into trying to get any better i just focused on the other things that i'm really good at yes um like running so wow. um so okay so you ran the marathon in 2009 you ran the marathon in 2010 same one uh, were there other marathons that you ran in that span too, or um, you just no? Not that I could,
1: not okay. that I recall. But yeah. I definitely was kind of like I'd heard of these longer races, mm-hmm. and um, there was an email about Skirt Sports, and Skirt Sports is. They were based out of Boulder, okay, and they did this article on chicks that they love, and they follow this woman named Jamie Donaldson. Mm -hmm. She's won Badwater, I think, three times. Oh, wow. How do you even run 100 miles or 100 plus, especially on a road? So Mm -hmm. I was fascinated, but I didn't know if I was crazy enough to yeah. go that venture. So,
0: well, I know the answer. The answer is yes. yes. You're, you're crazy enough. Um, <laughs> and that's part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you on this show, because we want to talk to people that are kind of like pushing the bounds on like, you know, just normal everyday life, right. People who are pushing their bodies or people who, you know, maybe work or, um, you know, are involved in the health and wellness field and taking care of other people, um, like what we do here at physio room, but, you've gotten into some ultra marathons and last year you ended up running a race. That was, I believe you've corrected me on this before. It wasn't 250 miles. It was 257 miles. Yes, it was. Um, so, you know, you, you found the bug for wanting to run marathons and you started getting into that, found out you were good at it and started to enjoy it more probably. Um, how did that transition happen from running 26.2 miles to basically running 10 times that, uh, <laughs> iterates last year. So like what happened over that time span? So, uh, in
1: 2020, let's see 2012, I paced someone at Leadville, Mm -hmm. Leadville 100 trail. And I was, I was fascinated by Leadville all on its own. Um, I'd read the book born to run. How do I, how do I do this? This is great. And, um, I got the chance to pace someone. And then, do you
0: remember how many miles of the race you paced?
1: Uh, I think it's almost 20. Okay. 20, 2022. Yep. In the dark.
0: Yeah. In the dark. Yeah. Up and down mountains. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. So that was great. That was a great intro. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to do it. Cool. Uh, and so, my friend that I paced, I'll call him Coach Ben, he was my friend. And he's like, I'll teach you how to run 100 miles. And okay. he taught me how to get Leadville tough. And we trained uh, and I ran my first Leadville 100 in 2013.
0: Cool.
1: And then I ran Leadville again the next year, only I did the Leadman series. Oh, yeah. So the Leadman series is kind of crazy all on its own.
0: Yeah. And I'm familiar with what the Leadman series is um, from now being out here in Colorado. We actually interviewed another one of our clients who has done the series a few times. He's done the Leadville 100 five times. But for the people who maybe haven't heard that episode, will you explain what that is? So the Leadville 100 race, right? hundred mile trail run. The
1: hundred mile trail run. That's the, that's the cherry on top. So Mm -hmm. that's the last of it. So it start the lead man or lead woman series, Mm -hmm. um, start and they're all in Leadville starts in June. It's the trail marathon. Then in July, it's the 50 mile run or bike, or you can do both. Yep. Uh, I picked the run, mm-hmm. and then the second weekend in August is the hundred mile bike ride, mountain right. bike, and you're qualifying yourself for each of these races. Then yeah. it's followed by the ten k after the awards of the mountain bike on Sunday, and then seven days later is the hundred mile right. trail
0: race. So just to to make sure everybody who's listening to this is on the same page, you've got the the marathon in June, you've got the fifty miler in July. And then in basically eight days, right? Yes. Saturday, you've got the 100 mile mountain bike ride. The next day you have the 10K. And then the next weekend, you have the 100 mile cherry on top, as you call it. Yes. 100 mile yes. trail run. Um, what's the elevation at Leadville? It's like 10,000. 10,200. 10,200. Yeah. And then that race goes from there up to
1: what? 12? 12. 12.6. Okay. Which is Hope Pass. Yeah. Yeah. So, you go up and over Hope Pass, drop down into Winfield, and then you turn around and get to do it all over again in the reverse direction.
0: It just sounds crazy to me. Um, being someone who, you know, in my running career, I, you know, ran, um, when did I start running? Probably middle school or something, you know, run it when I started running organized yes. uh, track cross country yeah. type mm-hmm. of things. Um, I remember I would go from middle school cross country practice to, uh, youth football practice that wasn't affiliated with the school system. It was like a separate league. So I'd go from cross country practice to football all through like middle school. And then I played the other sports, but then when I got into high school, you know, I'm running track, playing a couple other sports, but generally speaking, I like to run shorter distances, faster, right? right? The longest I've ever run in my life is 15 miles. Um, and that was because we took a wrong turn on a trail. It was supposed to be 13 miles ended up being 15. Um, but all I've raced is a half marathon. So, people that do this series or these other ultra uh marathon type races. I'm like, I don't even, I can't even comprehend what that would be like. Cause I've only ever ran for like an hour and a half before.
1: Right. And that was something that I needed to learn as well. Mm-hmm. When I was working with Ben, Is he said, remember that finish line, isn't just, you know, an hour and a half away anymore. It's, right hours away so really getting that mindset and that shift in Mm -hmm. in my thought process oh okay so it's not like three and a half four hours away now it's now it's hours and hours
0: so how was that for you like kind of learning that and you know was the Leadville 100 the first ultra marathon that you ran the
1: first Ultra marathon that I ran was Collegiate Peaks. Okay. So that was on my journey to my first Leadville mm-hmm. and that's held in uh, Buena Vista County um, yep. at the Salida, like the Buena Vista Community Center, mm-hmm. and it's like twenty-five out, and then you go back to the community center, and then you have to go in reverse. Okay. And my mind wanted to stop, of yeah. course, because you're you're coming into where the crowds are, and a lot of people are finishing. Yeah. And you have to go back out and do it
0: all over again. Yeah. So, I mean, that sounds like a, a very hard mental game to like put yourself through of like, so how do you, I'm assuming there's a lot of conversations that are going on in your own head of like, what did you experience with that? Like going from, you know, doing a race where, you know, it's a half marathon, it's a marathon, it's a couple hours, um, to doing something that takes, you know, the majority of the day or past, past the length of a day yeah, right. to do some of these races. Like <laughs> how did you get yourself to that point mentally, like able to do some of these races and just keep going one step after another for hours on it?
1: Well, I have to say that I had to remind myself one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. and forward movement is always movement. Don't go backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, quitting is not ever an option in my mind. Um, I will say that, when we hit the longest distance, I remember Ben looking back and saying, you've hit the longest distance. We're at 30 miles now. And yeah, for me, there were some tears involved, especially closer to the finish. Um, Just getting past that and knowing that the only way home is the finish. Yeah. And so you just have to keep moving. Mm -hmm. You'll get there. don't give up.
0: Yeah. Now, have you, um, we were just sort of talking off air about some like physical things that you're working through now, but, you know, running as a sport, right. As an activity that people do. And, you know, this is quite frankly, part of the reason that I have a job running is one of the most highly injury, um, activities with the highest rates of injury, right. In any given year, approximately 80%, 75%, depending on what kind of research you're looking at of runners will sustain some type of running related injury. And that's not just, you know, ultra marathoners, that's just runners in general of all different, you know, distances and experience levels. Have you had over this journey, basically the last 10 plus years of like progressing from running a a marathon to these long ultras, have you gone through any like major injury, you know, situations that you've had to battle through to be able to run these things?
1: Not major, I want to say they were they were you you can call a minor, mm-hmm. something that I can come see you guys for. yeah, um, and your staff's amazing here is you can fix it, help yeah. me get it right. And you know, it's all about movements. Mm-hmm. Um, just correcting incorrect patterns. Yes, yeah. and that's I've dealt with a hamstring here and there um most recently knee has decided to swell up and there's a little cartilage issue going on. I mean, those are wear out parts and I can be honest when I say that I've been gifted to not sustain any terrible injuries yeah. as I've fallen pretty hard a few times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm glad that I haven't sustained injuries and yeah. and this, you know, my legs have taken me to some places that you know, the body it's taking me to places. Yeah. I, I never thought I could go, you know, on foot, but it's amazing. It's a lot different than being in a car or on a bike. Oh, it's that's for sure. Me, so.
0: it's, it's way different. And, you know, a lot of times people who uh, maybe wouldn't call themselves a runner, you know, there's just like something about just like going out and running that it just creates this, like, you know, feeling in your body. That's just hard to replicate doing any other type of sport or activity, you know? I get a different feeling when I run compared to when I bike or compared to when I go throw a ball around. Now I love throwing a ball around. I grew up playing throwing sports, right? (laughs) So not much makes me more happy than just going out and throwing a ball around, but running and biking, it's just not the same. I just get a different feeling about running and um, it just, it's so freeing to me um, to just go run. You, you know, a lot of times now people are, you know, they're wearing their watch and they're tracking their pace and all this and that. There is just something very freeing about taking your watch off. Maybe you know not having anything on that's like tracking anything, and just like just go run oh, yeah. based on how your body feels.
1: And then for the Kauai marathon that I won, mm-hmm. I didn't wear a watch. There you go, because I knew where my body you know would tell me things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that the timing crew keeps track your time anyways. Yeah. So I went without it. You don't need to. Do that track was awesome. It. Yeah. It was really cool.
0: And then I'm trying to remember back, you know, what type of watch that I had in, you know, 2009-ish. I don't even know if Garmin had some of these watches that we have now where it's telling you your cadence and it's telling you your pace and all this stuff, like, in real time. Mm -hmm. It was probably just, like, a normal Timex or something at that point in time, which never fails, by the way. Timex, I mean, they just... (laughs) I, I had a, um, an issue where, you know, my Garmin watch that I'm wearing now, it like sort of froze up on me and I had to like quickly do a reset on it, but I was like leaving for work, didn't do the reset. And I was like, I'll just stick it on the charger. It'll figure itself out. I literally go in the drawer to my nightstand where I have a couple other watches and I pull out a Timex that I have not worn in years. And all I had to do is like adjust the clock for daylight savings time. That thing battery's still working. It's ready to go. I put yes. that on and, you know. I would be lost without a watch on, um, throughout my day, but,
1: right.
0: <laughs> okay. So, um, so we went on a little tangent here. This is fun. Um, so you trained for Leadville, uh-huh. you paced Leadville and you were saying you did the Leadman, Lead Woman series. Um, I forget what year you said that was 2014, 2014,
1: 2015. Okay. And the reason why I did it consecutive years was because, I was two minutes and forty-four seconds off of first place oh. for females in 2014. So why not go back and do it better? That yeah. was really my mindset. Like I can do so much better. Mm-hmm. And the crew tried to figure out where they had lost time. And really yeah. it came down to probably an extra few minutes in the aid station or whatnot. Yeah. You know, just they beat themselves up. Well, you know what? It's my turn to show that yeah, I can do better. And I did better. So awesome. Yeah
0: how many times have you let run that Leadville race now?
1: Uh, Leadville 103. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Have you noticed, did your time improve each time that you did it? Yes. Cool. How, yes. how, um, how quickly were you able to complete the race? Uh,
1: 2356 Very
0: cool. Yes. twenty three fifty six and 14 seconds. That's awesome. Big buckle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You sneak under that 24 hour barrier. Yes. Now the cutoff for that race is 30 hours?
1: 30. Okay. So, and then the cutoff for the big buckle is 25. Okay. So I got, I got a big buckle both years. I did Sweet. lead man, which was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. So
0: I have a friend who, um, who did the race for the first time this past summer. And, um, this was his first, uh, to my knowledge, first ultra marathon. If it wasn't his first ultra, it was definitely his first hundred mile race. Okay. Um, and especially out here in Colorado where there's such a drastic elevation difference. Um, he ended up not finishing the race, um, not running like to the capability that he thought he was. And it seemed like a lot of the issue for him came down to fueling, um, and you know, his GI system kind of letting him down more so than his body, letting him down.
1: That's a good point because Mm -hmm. the first year I ran it in 2013, um, I had a a great nutrition plan, Yeah, at least I thought I did. And then I found myself uh, cheating, cheating myself. Mm-hmm. And then I was lying to the crew. So <laughs> it does take a village to get you to the finish line. Yeah, And when you lie to your crew about what you ate and what you really didn't eat. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go over very well. And they can tell. Uh, so the crew ended up um, and the pacers ended up chasing down a nutrition deficient person being me. um, You turn into like a two-year-old. I don't want it. Here, try this. Here, try this. I have something for you. It's called finishing. Now eat it.
0: Eat it. What have you found, um, you know, works for you, works for your body on some of these longer races, like what types of things are you uh, taking in? How often are you taking them in? Like, what have you found is a plan that works for you?
1: The plan that I found that worked for me was like twenty forty. So mm-hmm. 20 second, every 20 seconds, every 20 minutes yeah. um, was hydrating mm-hmm. water, something, you know, even just a few sips. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every 40 minutes it was hydration and some fuel. Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was such a key component. Yep. And really like at the beginning of the race, you should really try to hone in on solids because you're not going to want those later. later Everything's yeah. pretty nasty, like beyond 50. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest.
0: Yeah. I've um, heard that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, things that you love, you probably aren't going to love yep. and I don't do well with gels. Uh, it's just not, it's just not my thing.
0: Hey guys, Dr. Andrew Fix from PhysioRoom here. Thanks again for tuning in to listen to us on the code. Really appreciate your time. And for that, I want to share a special offer from PhysioRoom extended to you guys. So if you want to have an opportunity to work with us at PhysioRoom for any fitness, performance rehab, pain relief, whatever that might be. When you reach out to us to schedule your appointment in person or virtual, we're going to offer you 20% off for being a code listener. So just be sure to mention that you heard about it on the podcast, and we will make sure to extend that offer to you. We look forward to working with you. Thank you so much, guys. Yes, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know, I've taken some, uh, the ones that sit the best for me are the ones that have like less of the artificial stuff in them. You know, there's, um, some brands that are made out of like more applesauce base or chia Mm -hmm. seed type base types things, but even those, I don't, I don't love them. Um, I was actually on a bike ride last weekend and it was about a 40 mile ride or something, but I, with the exception of, you know, coffee with some milk and cream stuff in it and some collagen in it, I mostly went into that ride fairly fasted, you know, how, mm-hmm. however much calories were in yeah. that coffee with the collagen and stuff. So I had some protein in there, but, um, what I was eating on the bike ride, um, was little pieces of like sweet potato fries that my wife oh, and I yeah. made at home. So, you know, they're not like actually like fried, um, mm-hmm. they're made in the air fryer and then, um, just whole dates Yeah, I was eating the dates and that went over really well.
1: Whole foods um, are great. Yes, yeah. I, I found that that's where like I get my most nutrients out mm-hmm. of, and I do my best. Yep. And then I'm not having to lie to the crew that I didn't eat something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so funny you said like you know I'm lying to the crew, but I'm really who who's that impacting? That's impacting mm-hmm. you, yeah. Right. That that's hurt. That's not hurting them. It's not hurting them. I mean, it's hurting them because they want you to do well, and they're there to support you. Right. But at the end of the day, it's not really hurting them. Yeah. It's hurting you yeah. and your your process to get to the finish line. Yep. Hmm. So you know the mindset that it sounds to me like that you're portraying here through this show is, you know, going backwards is not an option. We got to keep moving forward, no matter how fast or how slow that is. We got to keep going forward. And you had talked about movement, like forward movement. It's just movement. We got to keep things moving. Um, And you know that's what we talk about. Movement is medicine, right? right? And you know, at the end of the day, if you're not moving, you're you're falling behind. Yeah, type of thing. Absolutely, right? um, and it really sounds like you know if you're going to be successful in in an event like this, you have to kind of have that mindset, right? That like we're going forward. We know there are, there are going to be obstacles that we have to overcome along the way. Everything's probably not going to go smoothly, right? But you know that going into it, mm-hmm. so that then when those you know those barriers come up, you're able to to tackle those and navigate those. Correct. Um, so then let's sort of, uh, move forward and tell us about your transition from like doing the Leadville, doing the Leadman and what ultimately got you to this 257 mile race that you did almost a year ago. Um, how did we get there?
1: So, um, I, I've been really consistently running hundred mile races Mm -hmm. to, uh, continuously qualify myself to be in the lottery for western states Mm -hmm. it was big pie in the sky goal yeah and then 2020 came along and there were no lotteries yeah and there was no chance of getting in for 2021 to any of the things that i really had hoped for which was western states or ccc which is part of the utmb ultra trail du mont blanc series Mm -hmm. over in france so there was Really, I'm, I was toying with my options on what do I do mm-hmm. in 2021? Yep. And all of a sudden, there was an email about this crazy coca 250. Yeah. I like I've, I've wondered about 200-mile races, but never really put a lot of thought into <laughs> it. And so this race came up, and I talked to a couple of friends, and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll sign up. So you should sign up, but we'll sign up. Yeah. Yeah, I signed up, and they bailed.
0: <laughs> oh, I've, I've had that experience happen. Um, you know, not, not with ultra marathons, but, um, but with, uh, I was a freshman in high school and I was playing, uh, football with a friend of mine. We're both on the football team. And then he's convincing me to go out for the wrestling team. Right. And we basically <laughs> end up making a deal that if I, I think I might've shared this on another podcast episode. It's interesting. Um, I go out for the wrestling team and the deal was if I wrestle he's going to run track with me in the spring because I wanted to run track right on so we're freshmen we're 15 right what most freshmen do when they're like 15 15 and a half is you sign up for driver's education class so that you can get your license and conveniently driver's ed class for him was after school in the spring right during track season so I wrestled my buddy never ended up running track with me Uh, but the moral of the story is, um, it was great peer pressure because I continued to wrestle all throughout high school and I don't regret going out for wrestling, but it's just like a funny story that I thought of when you said that, so you sign up for the race, your friends don't end up getting signed up for the race and, um, you end up running it by yourself.
1: (laughs) I do. I do. And you know, the funny thing is the comment to me was, well, I didn't sign up. I said, I would look at it. (laughs) Oh, okay. But you'll need a a pacer, but you'll need a pacer. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'll need a pacer. Great. Know yeah, so I kind of put my chips in that basket and, and I'm like, well, cool, I'll have pacers and a crew. And um, I did hire a coach in 2020 when I ran um the Never Summer 100k mm-hmm. and Never Summer 100k is that, that's dicey, like yeah. Nick Clark puts on a good race out there, the NAR runners. Um, and it's um, Medicine Bow Range up past Fort Collins. It's west of Fort Collins. Yeah, so it's it's pretty gnar. Like, not gonna lie. But um, my point of talking about that race was when I hired the coach. Yeah, I wanted to make it so that it was worth my time to hire a coach. Sure, because I've been self trained or self coached for quite a long time. And mm-hmm. I was good at making excuses and then kind of pushing training to another day. And yep. then, then I was starting to see injuries crap out, ah, you sure. know, just overuse, just, yeah. just exhausted. Um, so when I did hire coach Tom and he's out of uh, California, mm-hmm. I asked him, I presented coca with, well, what do you think about this? And he ran it by some, some other colleagues that he knows that have done adventure races or longer 200 plus races and this one was by far advertised as the longest foot race in North America oh wow and so I'm like what do do I have to lose let's do it you know it's it was the why not race like Mm -hmm. why not let's go for it let's let's see how this goes yeah and I remember getting a survey from the race asking if I was Planning on being top 10 if I thought I was going to be top 10. And I ran it by him and I said, What do you think? He's like, No, what do you think?
0: What do you think? And
1: I said, Well, I don't know. I've never done a 200 mile race. Yeah. And he's like, What are you capable of? And I said, I think I'm capable of it. He's like, Then answer the question. Yeah. So I answered it, Yes. And I did come in seventh overall female for the race, which was pretty rad. Because again, like this is all new territory, all uncharted. And Mm um i did lots of long hikes back to back with yeah. runs on weekends um during the week i did mm-hmm. a lot just a lot of on on the ground training so,
0: yeah so you live down here you know and generally in the denver area mm-hmm. south denver where were you doing some of these like Training hikes and training runs.
1: Um, a lot of the training hikes and training runs we did, uh, just like the foothills. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked doing the Skyline Traverse, which is bolder. Yeah. Yeah. we did that like, on our anniversary. Cool. So that was fun. You know, just always getting others involved because yeah. anybody can hike with me. I love you know I love having company. A lot of people are intimidated by me. Oh, <laughs> you're too fast. Well, if I'm going to be fast, I'm going to do it on my own. Yeah. But you know, I'm asking for company. So yeah, yeah. that that was. Leave you
0: in the dust. Right,
1: right. Yeah. So that was really like a majority of it was just done foothills mm-hmm. and and like close like the bluffs over here. Yeah. You, you get some good legit like hill repeats. Yeah, definitely. A lot. That's what I did a lot of. Yeah. Hill repeats.
0: Um yeah, yeah, it's it's funny you say that like You know, sometimes people may not want to join you because they feel like they will hold you back type of thing. It's like, well, no, I'm asking you to if you want to come with me or or, you know, keep me company, um, I'm not going to leave you behind. My wife and I have had that um, same conversation with a couple, you know, local little five K's, 10 K's and things, um, because generally speaking, she's not really one who enjoys running. I like to run. I like to go do these shorter races. Uh, she would rather just be in the gym she'd rather do some cardio but she's not really interested in running it's just not what fuels her passion um but she will occasionally just like push herself outside of her comfort zone and say i'm gonna i'm gonna do this race too i'm gonna run this 5k and i I distinctly remember (laughs) we were running this race in uh kansas city it's um so for those of you that don't know or haven't been to kansas city every year they host the Big Twelve um, basketball tournament there, college basketball conference tournament there. So there's a race that goes along with that, right down there by the stadium. It's a seven k or was it a seven k? It was either a, I think it's a seven or a twelve k. Maybe it's a five k or a twelve k. <laughs> maybe it's a five or a twelve. It's a five k and a twelve k. So a twelve k is like seven something miles, right? So she decides she's going to run it with me. So we drive downtown from where our apartment was we park, we're like, and I'm always taking it like way too seriously. I'm like doing a big thorough warm up. I'm like, I got my sweatpants on till two minutes before the race, keep my legs warm. And, um, so we're, we're running and we're just running together. And I'm like, we're just going to run at whatever pace you feel comfortable with. And, um, so then we hit this like fork in the road where it's like the one sign is pointing you to, okay, if you're a 12 K runner, go this way. If you run the five K go this way. So she's supposed to go left. Right. And then She just decides, nope, I'm going with you. And this girl has not run, you know, a mile in probably over a year, and she decides she's going to run the seven and a half or whatever whatever a 12k is with me. And it was amazing. And we just ran together the whole time until the very end. She could tell I was kind of like chomping at the bit. I wanted to speed up a little bit, like that last like mile or half mile. And she was like, "Just go, just go," and I'll see you at the finish line. (laughs) But um, yeah, she ran that thing way faster than I thought she would because she had not run at all right that's
1: great so it's just
0: it's just kind of funny that's what reminded me of when you're like yeah i want people to join me you don't have to go as fast as me we'll just go at whatever speed and yeah it's it's about uh it's about moving forward not not about going fast absolutely so okay so you hire this coach you're training you're trying to estimate like what am i going to be capable of in this race you you do the race, which where is the Cocodona race anyway?
1: So the Cocodona race starts um just north of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then um it's a Rock Springs cafe. Okay. And then you hit this Black Canyon trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go out in February for the Black Canyon hundred k which it's on that trail as well. Okay. And then um it takes you beyond. And so <laughs> you go, um, a lot of it's remote mm-hmm. and you start with the swaro cactuses, and yep. then all of a sudden every everything changes mm-hmm. and bushes, yeah, sure, and greenery. And um, the first aid station was I want to say 12-ish, and then there wasn't another aid station for another 20 one 22 miles so that was the longest stint that's a gap and it got dicey that's where people were really falling apart Mm, um and then you go into crown king so you hit a lot of these historic little towns Mm -hmm. along the way and the end result is ending up in flagstaff so you run all the way to flagstaff yeah and being on your feet was was pretty incredible like there were some sections that i didn't get to see because it was dark yep that I would love to see in the daylight we Mm -hmm. went through the Bradshaw range yeah and I really wanted to say that that was that was the first night and I felt like it was more like a goat trail than it was (laughs) a running trail because um there were about three of us that stayed together and I was so very grateful to have people with me sure because there were a lot of fences there were animal fences that (laughs) you had to learn how to put the wire on the bottom and then you had to pull it across and put the <laughs> wire on the top because they, they don't want the cows um, yeah. coming through. Yeah. So yeah, that was interesting. Very interesting.
0: Uh, so yeah, not just mental obstacles, but like real obstacles, yeah, fences real. To yeah. that you have to get through. Yes. Um, so how long did this race end up actually taking?
1: Uh, I really wanted it to take four days or less. And it was four days, eight hours.
0: Four days and eight hours. So tell me how, so obviously this is a totally different animal, right? Than doing a 23, 24 hour Leadville race. This is like, totally different stratosphere type of thing. Yes. Uh, Might as well be a different sport. Obviously it's (laughs) running and hiking, but like, you know, four days compared to a day, uh, very, very different. And there's a lot more factors that you have to consider um, from a preparation standpoint, obviously the training, but like preparation in terms of like clothing, shoes, nutrition, sleep, medical needs. Like, so, so what did you do for some of these things? Like, how did you manage the, you know, how many pairs of shoes did you bring for an event like this? How'd you manage the sleep situation? Like, what does that look like for a race like this?
1: So shoes, I brought two pairs of shoes. I think we brought a total of four. Mm-hmm. And they were all the same shoe. It was uh, the La Sportiva Bushidos. Okay. And I loved the colors because they yeah. were the love potion colors. And so blue blue and pink, pretty Great. rad. Yeah. Um, I only ended up using two pairs. I swapped out one pair um, because I felt like my heel was just aching on both sides Mm -hmm. and then um my friend that joined me rachel she helped me relace my shoes oh sure and the relacing was like a miracle yeah my feet quit hurting and so the only real time i had to change them out was when they were hurting because we had done some pavement Mm -hmm. getting into prescott and then um going through the water
0: oh sure um
1: i think that was morning number three no number two that was morning two
0: -hmm. so what was this relacing was it you know that loop technique Um, where you put yeah, yeah, I
1: think so. It's the loop. You go, you loop, you make like a little yeah. dog ear and then yeah, yeah. you pull up through. Yeah. I
0: forget the name of it, but yeah. In those top little mm-hmm. eye holes there, you yes. make a little loop and then you lace the lace through the loop so that it kind of anchors that heel yes. in place. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's so- called a heel lock. That's what oh, it's called. Okay. That makes nice. sense, right? We're having heel pain and um, <laughs> that's going to lock your heel in place. So yeah, if you've not tried that, look that up, look up a heel Life
1: lock. Changing. And that- um,
0: I know that- a lot of people that do that, you know, whether they're running ultras or not. Yeah. I know a lot of people that lace their shoes that way for running.
1: Yes. So that was life-changing. Um first of all. And then um being ready for like the elements mm-hmm. as far as when it was really hot. Yeah. And learning I think this is in May in yes, Arizona. Learning yeah. from other runners that have run like Badwater. Like Pam Reed was out there and Pam Reed's like 60-ish years old and yeah. she's run Badwater. But um the crew Jeff mainly was listening to what she had to say and they soaked um an undershirt. It mm-hmm. should have been cotton, but any cotton white shirt yeah. underneath, soak it in ice water and then put your long sleeves on. Um, I had a long sleeve shirt on the whole time. It had holes in it, of course, uh, but that yeah. was my sunscreen and it also kept me cool. Sure. Um, I did make a rookie mistake and I went out like in dark colors, mm-hmm. yeah, in the desert. It was it's a little cookie, but I yeah, mean I <laughs> overall I learned how to mitigate the heat with making sure that I, you know, I stayed cool mm-hmm. and, and got ice at aid stations or at least hydrated. Yeah. I probably hydrated a lot more than just 2040. Sure. Um, And then having an electrolyte drink, we really tried some different options and found the element was really, yeah. really the key. Mm-hmm. To yeah, end. I love that stuff. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. It's I, really
0: amazing. You know, and I love it, you know, obviously when you're doing these like significant endurance events you need calories element doesn't really have that that's part of the reason that i love it for just like everyday use mm-hmm. you can get your electrolytes in without right. having any added extra processed like ingredients there's no sugar in there so basically no calories get your get a good combination of electrolytes right. and yeah. a good balance of electrolytes and in. that was
1: that de- we refill that every time mm-hmm. um and then i know that as far as like what's the differences with a hundred versus a two hundred? You you work sleeping. So we really worked into a plan. Jeff came up with a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. and we did like a ninety minute sleep. I'm sure it got moved around a little bit because you could see all the writing on the sheet at yeah. the end. <laughs> but I mean, the overall plan was the longest I was going to sleep was ninety minutes, and I did come into the first aid station that I was going to be able to have a pacer which was at 72 miles and Mm -hmm. I came in at about one o'clock because that was a rough go through the Bradshaw range and it was cold and we we and I say we using me and the crew did not plan for me getting cold or sure. getting dark. So I was glad that I had my little like pill shell, which is a little Patagonia yeah. jacket. Yeah. Sure. That I could pull out, not freeze. Um yeah,
0: I think that's one of the interesting things about um, you know, you even notice it here in Colorado. Um, you know, I'm from the Midwest and there's not these massive temperature swings, um, you know, from daytime to nighttime, mm-hmm. like there is out here and like there is in Arizona where you know it'll be extremely hot during the day
1: yep but then 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 it's going to
0: cool down significantly in nighttime and um yeah so okay go ahead no that's
1: okay so um i really i had little little lemon bags packed with everything like from you know a base layer to tank tops long sleeves even like capri pants, cause I'm not really like a tights kind of wearer, sure. but I, I needed to plan for everything and anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so really, I think overall the takeaway, if anything, is that with the 200 is that you can work in sleep. And yeah. I think overall, I might've had like seven and a half hours, eight hours sleep total yeah. within those four days,
0: which is crazy to me, right? <laughs> Knowing how important sleep is mm-hmm. to our function and all of this stuff. Now, what's the like time limit for, for this race?
1: The time limit was five days, 100, 120 hours.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So we did it in 103. Yeah. It's changed.
0: Yeah. Because you have to factor in sleep, you right? Because if you tried to do an event like this, I don't advise this. Um, you know, this isn't a challenge that I'm encouraging anyone no. listening to this to do. <laughs> but if, you know, you can't go five days without sleep, right? You have to get sleep. Otherwise, that's going to be extremely you know, um, huge detriment to your health. If you even would survive that you have to get some sort of sleep during that, uh, during that time period. So yeah, you've got to work it in. So you said 90 minutes was about the longest Mm -hmm. sleep block that you had. Um, did you, you had that like kind of blocked out, like you were trying to sleep every so many miles, or did you just kind of, you didn't wing that you had it planned, but did you have to fluctuate that a lot based on how the race was going?
1: I did kind of fluctuate it. And thinking back, to it now i probably would have slept during the hottest part of the day Mm, and then ran after you know after a nice little nap Mm -hmm. um because i know that even maggie Gooderal that won the race she she didn't have much sleep and so what you were saying going back to don't try to do it without it because your body will shut down your body shuts down at a certain point and it tells you hey white flag. I'm done right now. So having sleep is definitely important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that race was May of last year, May of 21. And we're sitting here in early April, um, of, of 22 and your training, what's your training looking like now? Or, or I guess before we even answer that, how long did it take you to kind of like recover? from an event like this, this race you did last year?
1: You know, I, I felt really good after it. Of mm-hmm. course, there was the swelling part of it. My feet look like little, had little <laughs> sausage toes. But I mean, overall, I didn't have, I had maybe one blister and it was at the end, Jeff did a really good job of caring for my feet because we learned that from a different race, mm-hmm. what not to do. Yeah. Um, so we just made sure to clean my feet a lot um, coming out of it. I was tired. I felt like I struggled for a good month Mm -hmm. because my sleep was so off. You know, when you try to sleep, everyone thought, well, you'll just sleep like a baby. No, because your mind is so ready to just get up and do it all over again, because that's what we were doing. That was the pattern. Yeah. Well, we even know
0: that from a yeah, we even know that from like a sleep hygiene standpoint of like, you know, if I was going to, there's an episode on this, if you haven't checked it out, go check out our code to sleep hygiene episode. But there's, you know, if you exercise too close to bedtime, that can impair your sleep quality Mm -hmm. or impair your ability to fall asleep. So yeah, if you're exercising constantly running this race or hiking, and then you just, yeah, you're not going to be able to just like, I'm just going to lay down and fall asleep in 10 minutes. That's just not the way that the body's really going to work?
1: No, no. So it did take a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. I want to say a good month was, was where I had, it took that much time to get back into somewhat of a normal sleep pattern.
0: Sure. So what types of things, um, you know, coming out of that. So you're fairly recovered by the time, like really summer's hitting here last year. Um, you know, what's next on the horizon for you, Becky, what types of things are you training for now? And what types of things do you having done the races that you've done, like what's left on the bucket list for you.
1: All right. Well, I like the bucket list. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, since I worked so hard to try to get into Western States and it's all look at the draw, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're in the lottery, but then you're in the lottery. Yeah. And I was, um, essentially seven years out and I got my name drawn this year for Western States, 100 in 2022, which is June 25th. So that is what I am working towards. Um, right now I'm riding my bike and doing a lot of hiking and strength stuff, working on stuff that I can do. Um, because I did mention that I have, um, a slight little cartilage thing going on. Um, but we're going to get there and it's going to be, it's going to be great.
0: Mm-hmm. So I I love the way that you just kind of explained that obviously, you know, it's frustrating. I'm dealing with a running related issue right now. I haven't run in seven months because of Achilles issues that I've been dealing with for more than seven years. Um, and it's finally gotten to the point where I've decided there's more of a decision than like being forced to, Hey, I need to do something about this so that I don't injure this further when I'm, you know, playing pickup basketball with my kids one day or something and I tear my Achilles. I want to prevent that. Um, But it's frustrating when you have something that's preventing you from doing the training that you want to do. But what you still were able to like explain there is your mindset is still in the right place of like, this is still the goal that I have. I plan to accomplish it. And you're, you're doing what's really, really important from like a rehab standpoint is you're still doing the things that you can do right? You're doing things. You're not just, you know, throwing your hands up in the air and saying, well, I've just, I guess I just better rest for a month and let this feel better. That's not the way that it works. That's not the way that the body works and continuing to move forward and still do what you can without perpetuating the problem worse while you work to address the problem is exactly the way that I would handle it. And that's exactly what you should do. Um, so for anyone listening that has anything bothering them, you know, bed rest or laying around on the couch is not going to make it feel better. Um, you know, you've got to continue to work on the things that you can mm-hmm. so that you get to do the things that you know you're capable of and that you want to do later. So,
1: absolutely. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. so June 25th, um, is, is that race you said, right? You've been working to get, get into this for a long time. So how many, do you know the answer to this? How many people, you know, put their name in the lottery for this race every year and like mm-hmm. how many people actually get get the opportunity to do it?
1: So for Western states, um, it is capped, I believe, at Mm -hmm. 374 people. And the reason being is that we run through a wilderness section. And so when it was deemed wilderness, there were a lot of races that were told that they couldn't get permits through there Mm -hmm. anymore. And so the agreement was that Western states would cap their registration at the number that they had registered or running in the year that that was deemed a wilderness oh, okay. section. And they can't deviate. Yeah, They can't add more. Um, what is this? Three it's seven. what it is. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of factors that go into the lottery. Um, I believe there's 312 names drawn and I did say like 374 Mm -hmm. total but those a lot of those slots are golden ticket slots and so a golden ticket race is a race that um has been deemed as if you um if you're like top I think it's top three Mm -hmm. or top two female top two male and these are golden ticket races, then you get into Western States. Like you, automatic get, qualifier. Yep, you get an mm-hmm. automatic qualifier. You are in. Yep. So they hold those tickets out. Um, and then when the drawing happens, um, it's usually the first weekend in December mm-hmm. and, uh, they cut all the tickets. Like this is legit yeah. paper tickets. Yep. You spin it around and, um, I've sat through that several times oh. So in person now twice. The first time it was, it was pretty hard. And so I've always wondered, well, why, because I've worked so hard, but everyone works hard. Mm-hmm. We all qualify ourselves. Yeah. And then there's consecutive ticket counts after a certain amount, you know, after each consecutive year, you don't get drawn. Then you get more tickets. Okay. And I was up to like 64 tickets. Increase so, your probability. Yep. Yeah. I, okay. I And even though I had 64, I just needed one. Right. So, right. and I believe that the number of entrants, it's it skyrocketed. I mean, ultra running is just it's
0: huge. So popular. It's
1: popular. Yeah. And there were, I want to say 14,000 people. that Wow. Yes. So there's a lot. And when there's only 374. I mean, chances yeah. aren't good. No, I think any
0: time I've ever entered a lottery or a raffle of some sort, any of the ones where I've had numerous tickets, I never won. The only the two that I've ever won in my life, which weren't for something you know quite as big as this, where there's probably fourteen thousand plus. Uh, but the two that I've won, I only had one ticket,
1: there's, and I just
0: got lucky enough to get my name drawn for these There are two so things. many
1: people that get in that way mm-hmm. though, and yeah. I I always wondered why, and I know that I would have been on the list even longer mm-hmm. or maybe shorter. Yeah. But I didn't feel like I was ready at the beginning of my journey. Yep. So knowing what I know now, I would have just done it right away. Yeah, sure. But I I I knew I wasn't ready. And then the race I felt like knew I wasn't ready. So mm-hmm. when I did complete Coca I'm like, okay, I'm ready now. now I'm what ready. do I what do I need to do now? So yep. it was pretty cool hearing my name. Yep um, get it drawn. Yeah. And then I actually got my name drawn a second time for the wait list. Oh, you know, they, they throw it out. Cause I've already, you're already there. I'm already there. So yep. it was quite exciting.
0: So, so I think something that you just said of like, why did my name not get drawn? And then you basically started to go down this, this avenue of like, there's a reason, right? There's a, there's a reason that maybe I don't know what it is right now, but there's a reason my name didn't, didn't get drawn. My time is going to be later. Um, so after sitting through this, you know, this lottery process year after year, after year, your name doesn't get drawn. That's what I wanted to ask you is like, why, why keep putting, I think this is going to sum up this episode really good. Right. Like, like why continue to put your name in for something that, you know, each year passes, I'm not getting it. What kind of fuels your, you know, your passion or your, your desire to like, I'm going to put my name back in next year. I'm going to put my name back in next year. I'm going to keep training because this is just something that I I want to do or I have to do. Like what sort of fuels that?
1: Uh, I'd say the um, knowing that when it does get drawn, that it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. You just have to have patience. And I am one that is not very patient. I'm sure many of us aren't very patient, but patience definitely um, wins in this one. Mm -hmm. And just seeing the overall goal and experiencing other friends that have done it and that they convince you that it's it's worth it. It's so worth it. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. You know, if that's your goal, don't give it up. So you didn't make it this year. Mm -hmm. Do it again. You know, continue to do it because if it's, if it means something to you, you'll find a way. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, you'll find a reason not to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I saw uh, one of our coworkers here um, had a very interesting, you know, social media post. It was something along those same, same lines, right? It was basically like, are you interested or are you committed to this thing? Right. If you're interested it's easy to have excuses and uh, you'll train on the days you feel like it. And, you know, you're you're interested in it. Uh If you're committed, you're going to find a way you're going to find a way to do it. There's going to be barriers that present themselves and you're just going to navigate those because, you know, this is what I'm committed to doing one way or another. Um, So, you know, anyone who has made it this far in this episode and is listening to this, no matter what your goal is, right if it's something that means anything to you and you really want to accomplish this thing, then that's what, that's what you got to do, right? Commit yourself to that and know that there are going to be obstacles that present themselves along the way. And that's okay. They don't have to derail your plans. Just find a way around that, find a way through that or over that and, and make it to that goal. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I I mean, Leadville says it perfect. You know, I commit, I won't quit Mm -hmm. dig deep and then you know you you find you find something that's that you didn't know existed. Yeah. And you're like, wow, that, that is incredible. You know, yeah. it might hurt. It's gonna hurt. I promise. Yeah. Everybody's probably feeling the same way at the mid to end. Yeah. But you know, just, just don't quit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean it's easier said than done, but man, your mind will win the day if you let it.
0: That's right. That's right. Or the opposite, right? Your mind will win the day if you let it, your mind will. We'll lose the day if you let it, if you let it is the key. Right. And you don't have to, I think that is like the perfect way to sum up and sort of end this, uh, this episode. Um, Becky Lynn, if people want to like talk to you more about your running journey, your ultra marathon journey, if they want to join you on a hike or join you on a run, if they're local and listening to this, um, what is the best way for somebody to, who's listening to this episode, get in contact with you?
1: Um, you can find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Lynn 262 So that's where you can find me on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Becky Lynn on Facebook. If you want to outreach, it's B-E-C-K-I mm-hmm. and then Lynn L-Y-N-N. Um, outreach. I'd love, I can talk running all day. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to share stories.
0: (laughs) I think we could keep talking about this all day. (laughs) And it makes me want to just like throw my shoes on and and go start running right now. Um, but we, uh, we'll save that for another conversation again. Thank you so much, Becky Lynn, for coming in here and being on this episode of the code, talking about ultra marathoning, the mindset and everything that goes along with that. Um, good luck to you in your race in June. Coming up, uh, what's that? Two months from now, two and a half months yep. from now. Yep. Um, we will be we'll be keeping tabs on how that is going and how your journey to the race and during the race is going. And um, to all of you listening to this episode, we will catch you next time on the Code. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you, Doctor Fix.